The following podcast was recorded live at Celluloid Screams in Sheffield on Friday, October 25th, 2019. As always, it does contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature and spoilers from Neil LeBute's The Wicker Man. Also, we did have a screen, so if anything doesn't quite land, apologies for that. Enjoy! again jesus there might even be slightly more of you this time i think there is by the way it's quite hot so if anyone feels the need to lose layers then feel free mm. it's fine there's not much it's else fine. we can do about it so yeah yeah andy yeah the wicker man yeah the wicker man yeah. by the way thanks everybody for coming um you will notice that panda at prettier stunts on twitter has uh, sat in front of fire escape so again <laughs> In the event of a fire to avoid immolation, Panda will move. Uh, right, I have a couple of things to lead with here. <laughs> okay. Uh, first off, I now own this digitally and it's your fault. Okay. <laughs> okay, um, can't feel too bad about that. And it's one of those things where like, if you buy something digitally, I don't do that very often. So I have one in my library and it's this. So every time <laughs> I log in, it's like, would you like to view something from your library perhaps? And it's just this. It's just <laughs> that exact image looking back at me. And I guarantee you, you'll watch this again. I almost certainly will. Yeah. I've, but although I've watched it twice in the last 24 hours and that definitely feels like too much. How much is too much? It's twice. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, my second point is I have been there. We peek behind the curtain. I've been in your house sometimes, a couple of times. Once or twice a yeah. week. So for about a year and a half. The 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 walls in your house are adorned with Wickerman things. Yeah, not this one. No, I, the Wickerman that people actually like. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, not this one. It's not like it's sure. like it's not like wood engravings like live laugh love, except it just has not the bees or anything like that. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I why. Just tell me. Well, this might have come as a surprise to anyone that knows me. Um, and when this came out, I saw it in the cinema for some reason. And then um, I saw it a handful of times after the cinema uh -huh. and hated it. Absolutely hated it. But I've, over the years, I kind of found myself really warming to it and really starting to come around to it. What I like about it is that it's an earnest attempt to remake The Wicker Man, but it's just handled so badly that... It, kind of finds a charm in that. I've grown to be quite fond of this weird film. A weird film it certainly is. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah you myself. think so? Um, I was about to uh, make Andy do a 30 second synopsis, but one, I haven't put 30 seconds on the clock, and two, I might get someone else to do it. 
All right, okay. Well, I'm, well if you can get 30 seconds on the, the clock, I'll, I'll find a victim. All right, good. In fact, I'll do it. It's my job. Okay. Oh, venturing amongst. First off, just for, just for fairness, put your hands up if you've seen the film. If, you, if, you've seen the, if you've seen the original, it's largely the same, but just change Christopher Lee for Ellen Burstyn and well, Nicholas Cage, isn't <laughs> and, it? And, and Dread um, with bees. <laughs> Damon. I've only seen a little bit of this. Okay, good. That's a strong start. Okay. Well, right. Um, right, three, two, one. Go. So, 30 seconds. Uh, so, you've got a detective goes over to a weird island where there's people that blatantly on something. Um, he's looking for a, a missing child um, and slowly gets sucked into this world where it's a, it's a culty type of thing and they are trying to look for some sort of sacrifice for their summer party. <laughs> Their little get together, you know, hanging out, having a good time. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Very nice, very nice. I like the like idea the that it's a, a summer party, like it's like that one yeah, weekend like, that the people from the office get together. Yeah, it's like party had some finger food. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. No, that's very true. Yeah. Um, I think that we should just start. I think just, we should just get into this. Just get into it. Yeah. See, like, the, the cast on this and a lot of the people involved in it, it reads like an awards film. You know, like, Francis Conroy, Alan Burstyn, Angela Badalamenti, the music, Nicholas Cage. Best actor. An actual Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah. best actor. Oh, there I he is. Forget. There he is. There he is. Uh, by the way, his teeth in this film are fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> I think he's just had them done because Aye. they are, like, massive chiclets. Like, Aye. big <laughs> chewing gum teeth. They are, they are coming out to shake your hand, aren't they? <laughs> also, you can see you can see in that photo quite clearly his foundation is on extremely thick. Very bronzed. But yeah, an amazing cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a lot of very, very talented people are complicit in this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who, if they can be blamed necessarily much. Um, they, were, they were only doing their jobs. They are only following orders. Yeah. We pretty much open on a montage of Nicolas Cage doing police things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. Considering how little he's doing, it's remarkable the extent to which I don't buy a second of it. Well, they show you him being really good at the law, and he's like putting stickers on parked cars, yeah. and uh, it's really low maintenance uh, highway patrol job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed how good he looks in leather. Uh, and the helmet. Yeah. He, I feel like that's a Nicholas Cage choice to make him a motorcycle man. Also, on the motorcycle, I don't know if you noticed, incredibly rigid. Like, you know, you know those little toys with the little policemen on them, and you pull them back, and they're on a motorbike, <laughs> and they go forward, then they just fall off. And then when you take the little guy off the bike, he's the same shape as he was sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> he's exactly like that. Also. A bit like that on the bicycle later. Very, I, very rigid. Like, like, like ninety percent of my favourite things in this film involve him on a bike. Just <laughs> <laughs> feverish pedalling. Um, also, um, I was kind of pretty sure this was set in the present day, and then he bought a self-help VHS tape. It's a cassette. It's a cassette in an oversized box. Right. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Part of his kind of uh, police duties early on. Uh, the classic civil duty of returning a stuffed animal to a child. Sure. Um, which he does. And then she throws it out the window again. Arsehole. Would anyone else have just made a point of driving over that? I would have. I'd have bust that doll's head like a watermelon. 
Um, but yeah, he takes a step away to pick up the doll again, and uh, the woman and her daughter in the car get uh, absolutely leveled. Well, I think it's only like, fair given that that little girl's attitude. You <laughs> think <laughs> the punishment fit the crime? Uh, absolutely. She, uh, minutes after her being an absolute prick, she is wiped out the, off the street by a truck and then explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Instant karma. <laughs> exactly. That. Um, this understandably takes a bit out of. Uh, I see. I feel like I should call him Edward, but it's just impossible to not call him Nicholas Cage because in everything he's Nicholas Cage. Well, it's worth mentioning his name is uh, Edward Malus, which a little bit of re- a little bit of looking around online, um, I found that Malus uh, in the writing was a portmanteau of male, being okay. a man, and phallus. So um, okay, yeah. Edward Dickman. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Edward Malus, um now tragically depressed. Yeah, yeah. Visited by one of his uh, cop pals. Yeah, um, he could have listened to his self-help tape. Yeah, maybe. That might have helped. I mean, he could have listened to literally anybody that told him to not go to this island. Well, he's told by a few people. So it's worth mentioning as well, he receives this letter in the mail. We know how this goes. Gets a letter in the mail. Come to this island. There's a missing child. Mm-hmm. Um, little blonde-haired, creepy... Rowan. 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 Uh, Rowan Woodward. Um, yep. Which always makes me cringe a little bit. The fact that they asked Edward Woodward to be in it, he wouldn't do it, so they put a missing poster in the police station and then named a character after him. Ugh. Yeah. It's a bit lame. But yeah, just got in the letter. Uh, for a place that's got no technology at all, they've got a working website and headed notepaper. <laughs> so... Uh, that's the first thing that doesn't <laughs> ring true about this film. Yeah, yeah, and, he's and a bit the, uh, the first and only. Um, yeah, he heads over there. Um, he gets so yeah, he's going to Summers Isle, which is a kind of provincial island propped up by a burgeoning honey economy. I want to talk about Summers Isle, okay, for a minute. I hate that. It's the one, one of the things that I've never, even when I started softening towards this film, I mm-hmm. was never quite able to get over the addition of that S into Summers Isle. And apparently it was so Americans could pronounce it. Um, what? Which is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fucking preposterous. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, uh, the whole way through, it, it's incredibly jarring. He gets there by bribing a delivery pilot, question mark, who is the most incredibly malleable and easily persuaded person ever. He won it he's so fast. <laughs> he's like, can you fly me over there? And he's like, um, no, uh, I have this. I don't want to lose this contract. They're very particular. And he was like, I'll give you like 200 quid. And he was like, yeah, all right. Get in, the plane, get in the plane now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, it, it's, the way it kind of plays out, he's complicit in it, but I find it quite sad that they choose to kill him later on, like, for no well, I mean, real but, apparent reason. He's Yeah, though, they needed him to come to the island. I don't think, like, I don't... don't like, <laughs> what I love about it. that, though, is that they, he drops him in the middle of the sea and he has to, like, wade his way, <laughs> like, across the beach really awkwardly. <laughs> The first encounter that he has with villagers here is the first of many things that I think are really infuriating, but they're obviously supposed to be. Right. And I, I think that, like, see when he's talking at the start, when he gets there, and I think this, this is also, um, so he starts talking to them, explains why he's there. They are all being kind of very evasive. I think that even when Nicolas Cage is playing it straight in this film, I think that there's this simmering level of ridiculousness. At which point does that happen? What? Oh, when he plays it straight? Yeah. I, when, he's, when he's trying to talk to them here, and kind of when he's being kind of like slightly cheeky, but kind of trying to be charming and stuff. I think he spends a lot of time here not realizing how like city rude he's being. But then, I, th- 
find that there's a breakdown in communication right away between mm-hmm. them all. At no point is there anything said that could soften this or ease his way across this island. He acts like a dick for the minute he gets there and they treat him like a dick. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so yeah. he's pissing into the wind for the moment he gets there. That's his face for most of the film, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can see the maypole in the back there, not, uh, not used at all in this film, no, sadly. No. Decorative purposes only. <laughs> um, I really like when he's talking to uh, the villagers here and one, two of them are carrying, he's, now keep in mind that he is there to investigate a missing child. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you should be looking for is things that look quite like missing children. But um, everybody will. And somebody carries, a ba- somebody carries a bag with blood dripping from it and he points at it and says, what's in the bag? A shark or something. I've never quite understood the leap to shark in a bag. Um, but hey. <laughs> um, it's like A plus plus detectiving, sir. I the kid's be, still missing. I it's might be wrong shark. here, but you never actually see the contents of the bag because they go to open it and then they go. <laughs> yeah, they like jump scare him. <laughs> like, oh, fucking hell. Oh. It's, inc- it's incredible when they jump scare him with the bag and he just immediately, like, he doesn't carry on that line of questioning at all. He just kind of pouts and runs away. <laughs> Also, the dialogue in this whole scene is almost verbatim the similar scene in the original film. Okay. Um, which I think quite warming. <laughs> really? I just feel like a, kind of like a karaoke version of it. It's like being reunited with old friends who've all had weird plastic surgery and look nothing like your, the friends that you knew. Or like after amnesia when you're kind of, people tell you they're your friend but you don't really know. And you're like, all right. <laughs> cool. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this kind of, this kind of, like I say, his rudeness matched with their rudeness continues when he goes to that inn. Yeah, oh, by the way, for the, the island that no one's allowed to come on to, they've got a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, this is one, the first of many times that he walks in and just without warning announces himself to a room full of people. Yep. Yeah, but we have a first encounter with Sister Beach here. Sister Beach, yeah. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, very severe, very yeah. stern. <laughs> and Sister Honey. Yes. As mm-hmm. well, uh, uh, Lily Sabisky. Lily Sabisky is incredibly infuriating for every second she's on screen in this film. <laughs> Go on. Like, like um, uh, you know how obviously kind of part of it is that the, kind of the villagers are being very evasive uh-huh. and stuff. She's the only one that's like smug with it. Okay. Most of the time, most of the time, they're like, "I wouldn't know anything about that," in this very straight-faced way. Right. But she, but she, like, I actually think if I was one of them, if I was one of the like sisters on there, and uh-huh. I saw her interacting with them, I'd be like, "Would you fucking stop that? They're gonna give the game away." Because she's like, because she's like so discernibly up to something the whole time. <laughs> like, You'll be dead in two days, and you don't know it yet. <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't know anything about that, Mister Miller. She says, twiddling her moustache. <laughs> Uh, also, he also reunites with Willow, his uh, ex-fiance, who was the person who ostensibly got him there in the first place. Yeah, I don't mind this performance. No, nope. mind this at all. I, n- I never bought them as a couple. No, not for a minute. That I mean, look at him. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, but it's, it's difficult to imagine him having a meaningful communication with anyone because of how he plays it in the film, uh-huh. and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a conversation that plays like a real conversation at all ever. Also, by the way, you, you probably know the first minute that you meet her, but apparently Rowan's his daughter. Um, that is the least cagely played twist I've ever heard. Yes, aye. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. At the end of this interaction as well, he kills a bee and introduces Chekhov's bee allergy. 
<laughs> Never ever be allergy in Act One that you don't use in Act Three. <laughs> or midway through the second. Yeah. So it's yeah. All all pretty strange stuff. Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to talk about the Shining Twins. Oh yeah. Uh huh. There they are. Oh. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering how things turned out for them. <laughs> Uh, incredibly creepy, I think, actually. I think one of the only things that is sold as creepy in this film that I actually kind of find quite unnerving to watch, because he obviously he's overhears an interaction and they always talk in unison, and I think it's yeah. fucking horrible. Right, okay. It's on his skin like you would not believe. Coming from a man who is a twin, <laughs> it's very fun, very weird that you're freaked out I by did. twins. That's, that's why I don't trust him. <laughs> but uh, later on, they kind of there's a lot of stuff in Act 3 where they kind of ladle on imagery that's just supposed to be a bit weird but they're legitimately weird throughout that yeah. that's that's enough like, yeah, like the, girl, the girl with a bee beard later on that's just an excuse to do something it's just, it's just with more bees that is, <laughs> it's just a grab bag of just bee stuff <laughs> um in the middle of the night uh edward is startled looks out and sees um what could be rowan Running away. Another blonde girl on a red coat. But I was going to say, see, you know that thing about never put something in a film that makes you wish you were watching a better film? Don't look now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, he takes off after her, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but in like almost every Nicolas Cage film, there is a sequence where he runs with a torch in his hand. Also, I don't know if you've ever watched Nicolas Cage run. <laughs> I have now. Because it's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, run, he runs like someone who doesn't really know what running is and has never seen anyone do it, but has just had it explained to them. <laughs> very small, very small torch. Yeah, very small keyring torch. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it looks like a light set of keys, but yeah. yes, um, yeah, he's, he's like he spends a lot of time running in this film, and it's one of the many things that I don't buy. Also, what do we think about Nicolas Cage's hair in this film? Because quite often, as we can see here, you, there's a glimmer of scalp. Yep, and then at other times it looks a bit like a helmet. I, it's very thick and very full. Uh, I think it's that spray-on hair. I, 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 he also, I think, like he spends a lot of this time looking. I, I don't know if it's like a flop sweat situation or what it is, but I think he spends so much of this film looking like someone has very recently thrown a bucket of water over him. <laughs> like I, th I think he's, he's very soggy looking for quite a lot of this. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I never knew I wanted soggy Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it's the Nicholas Cage you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's from a scene later on, by the way. That's not from the, the scene in question, because no. he's in his pyjamas. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I just, uh, I just I needed to pull something with him uh, with the torch in his hand. But sure. I, I was determined to prove that point. Okay, carry on. Um, another, uh, we also get to Chekhov's Cursed Honey Harvest here as well. Uh, <laughs> that's the next T-shirt. <laughs> Chekhov's Cursed Honey Harvest. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of, it's, it's, um, he's kind of, he wonders why... Um, in what is a reasonable piece of detectiving, actually, and he doesn't do that much of it. And here, the next morning, he's talking to Lulu Sabiski, who, and he's like, "Why do we have store-bought honey here? Honey's like your whole thing." Yeah, yeah. He's he's got honey in one of those cute little bales. Yeah, that I always see and stuff and want, uh, but I don't know where you get honey in a bale. But yeah, Lulu Sabiski is like, "Oh, it was cursed last year. Cost honey. Twiddle of twiddle of mustache. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> always with a broom, as well." Forever broom wielding. I always feel like Louis Sabisky is the person you call when you can't get Chloe Savini. Shit. <laughs> Expect her to at you. Uh, <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah. Regular listener, Louis Sabisky. I think that like there's an unbelievable amount of this that is just Nicolas Cage getting from A to B. 
run in. Yes. Well, well, like, well but, but uh, foot, bike, boat, or plane. But right. yeah, so much of it is him just traveling from one location to another. Um, at one point, when he is trying to get the radio from the plane, there is three consecutive establishing shots in a row of him running. <laughs> but he's, you've got to see him getting... You can't just have him start running and then cut to the plane. You, you, really, you, you really show the geography. You really, really can. <laughs> cut down some of this interminable runtime, is that what you're saying? Runtime. <laughs> oh. I think it's around this time that he storms into the classroom. To meet Miss Rose. Miss Rose, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Breaks up a, a very fine conversation about phalluses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All the kids are chanting phallic symbol when he comes in. Um, My school was like that. <laughs> that explains a lot. But people were like, you're a phallus. <laughs> no, no, you're a phallus. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a phallic symbol. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of phallic symbols drawn on my jottles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow, there he is. There he is. By the way, he's out of his jurisdiction. He, he's from, he keeps telling people he's from California, but then at one point somebody says to him, oh, well, this is Washington. And he's like, so? Yeah. So? It's like, I, I, like, it tracks that he's just quite a bad police officer. He's a busybody, a meddler. Yeah, right, but fundamentally misunderstands how all these institutions function. <laughs> Like constantly. So after disrupting the child, uh, uh, disrupting the class, should I say, and uh, finding out that the kids trapped a bird in a desk to see how long it would that survive. That bird would be going fucking insane on that desk. That desk would be clattering up and down. You'd be like, is Rowan in the desk? <laughs> like. um, he goes in and has a sideline conversation with Miss Rose at this point. And her story, in the measure of what I think is like generously a 90 second interaction, goes from being uh, Rowan doesn't exist and has never existed. If she'd existed, we'd have told you. Rowan's dead. Rowan might die soon. <laughs> Rowan never existed. Rowan's going to die. Also, we don't say the word death, but then I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's as confused as, as we are at this that point. A, that was actual footage of me watching this this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he gets it into his head that uh, she might have died, which is understandable because it's one of the four iterations that he heard. Sure. Uh, goes digging, uh, finds a burned doll. No. No, he has an interaction with another interaction with Rowan, who just seems to pop up everywhere he is. Like One thing I thought about this when watching it back is that this film isn't as like this one sustained ridiculous thing as I remember it being. It's marked by, I think, like five or six isolated points of absolute insanity. What I forgot was how bland so much of the other stuff is. Excuse me. <laughs> I, um, and a lot of it, I think, is when he interacts with either her or uh, Sister Summersile, Ellen Burstyn's character. Right. Um, where it is, gen like, it's, it feels really paddy, I think, because they always have these, it's like, they have conversations that are like three to five minutes of, like, rambling, full philosophical bullshit, and then eventually somebody drops a plot point, and it's like, right, on to the next thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> um, the interaction with, uh, with Willow here actually takes place in a churchyard with a cage in it. Yeah. Which uh, seemed weird. Yeah. And uh, he, he, again, he, he spots that uh, there's a new lock on a very old cage there. If you're wondering if that'll come up later, it does not. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> what? He gets caged. Cage gets caged in the cage. Oh, yeah, he gets caged in the cage. Is that the same cage? Same cage. I think we should stop saying cage. Churchyard cage. Yeah. Um, I, I think the actual investigation bit of this is really slow burning. I think it's where, like, I think it's where the film becomes hardest work. 
Uh, he does go and visit Francis Conroy, though, um, and you get a little... Surely you'll say you'll agree, Mitch. Francis Conroy is a little glimmer of light in this. I think she's great. I like her on everything. Yeah, she's great. And yeah. uh, also, I think that she's also outwardly, she seems to be the one who's kind of like, if you're trying to lure someone here under false false pretenses, I think that she is selling it the hardest. Like, I think, you know, she's giving the illusion of being more kind of like welcoming. And kind of Harder than the woman who tells you that the child you're here to find is your missing baby that you've never met. Like, I mean, if anything's going to keep you there, it's the child you've but, never met. Yeah, that's true. But no, but he, he goes to see Francis Conroy and then goes back and learns a little bit more about the Harvest Festival. After she leaves, he kind of like jimmies the lock and goes back into her house. He breaks into her house with his trusty lockpick. Yeah. Um, see, when he gets there, and I didn't notice this until second viewing this uh-huh. morning, but see when he's reading the description of the Harvest Festival and the kind of like, if it doesn't, like, you know, if it's cursed, then there's a sacrifice and all this stuff. Sure. So understandable. We all need to know this. I understand why it's there. Uh-huh. He is reading it from a book. Um. He's is not this the book of ancient rituals or whatever it's called. Yeah, I, it's, it's literally called something like that. Like, it's like yeah, the, the, the big book of rituals. But like um, rituals he, for dummies. Yeah. But um, he's not reading it aloud. His lips don't sync up. He, you, what you're seeing is him reading it and him reading it in voiceover. Why? It's like, he didn't write it. Uh, sorry, it's at this point that he exhumes the grave and finds the burned doll. I'm racing ahead of myself here. Yeah, the bun doll in the grave. Um, th- th- this is coming up to the bit where he gets locked in the cage again because he hears a whisper on the wind, and any time he hears anything on the wind, he starts screaming, rowing at the top of his lungs. Uh, <laughs> the barley moves, and he's like, rowing! It must be rowing! <laughs> he's pushing stuff aside, looking for her, and it's, it's, she's never there. Um, actually, I don't want to blow past it. The my one, I think the first real out-and-out unintentional comedy moment comes up around this time when he accidentally stumbles on the massive field full of beehives. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> by the way, right, so <laughs> he gets like, uh, I was going to say bitten by bees, but he gets stung by bees here. And and we know he has an he has goes into anaphylactic shock and mm-hmm. he has to then like uh, gets taken to Summer Isle's house Summer Isle's house. But then he spends the next ten to fifteen minutes wandering the apiary. Uh-huh. Like, I'd be like, I'm just I'm very allergic to bees. I'm deathly allergic to bees. Yeah, I, the, the parameters of his uh, his like bee allergy is that yeah, one wander around unencumbered in an apiary or uh, fatal. <laughs> he just spends a lot of time going. <laughs> when I see a bee, I, I do that thing where you're, no matter where I am, no matter what the situation is, funeral, anything, I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! Um, so I was once at a funeral where a woman in front of me had a spider in her hair. And, <laughs> and I laughed my way through that funeral. I watched that spider dance a web in that woman's hair. That was fucking amazing. It was the best funeral I've ever been to. <laughs> de- 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 definitely top three most fun funerals. <laughs> I was also drinking Amaretto at a hip flask. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that was a brief aside. Yeah. Uh, the like so he has like, this, a very long conversation with Lady Summers Isle around uh-huh. this time. It's kind of like a, a history of the island type thing. Sure, sure. Um, I, again, just like, absolutely interminable. I understand why it's there, but fucking hell, interminable. It's almost the same dialogue again. Let's say she's um, got Christopher Lee's dialogue, mm, but yeah. uh, apples are replaced with bees, <laughs> uh, essentially. 
Um, Ellen Burstyn, I think, is kind of... Uh, she is obviously great. She's doing magnificent work. Oh, I didn't mean in this. <laughs> By the way, I almost came dressed like her like, at the end when she's got the face paint on and the blonde hair, but then I thought I might just be mistaken for Mel Gibson and Braveheart. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. So, uh, so I didn't bother. I thought it would be a bit the Scottish guy dressed like that. <laughs> it kind of gets an, I, I, you get kind of rapid cycle ridiculousness. Right, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, here, starting with um, like one of the more famous ones, How to Get Burned. Well, uh, that comes again. He's back in the graveyard and he goes down into the crypt again. It crypts. Seen floating girls. Everybody goes. Yeah. Um, and this, this, uh, this is no exception. Uh, he climbs into uh, Lauren. Is that some kind of crypt? Yeah. Fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he gets into that crypt in the water and then he's there till the morning. Uh, he would be <laughs> fucking exhausted. He wouldn't be able to scream. His throat would be red raw from screaming all night long yep. for help. Agreed. See, and, see, when, see when he pull that when he pulls the when you see the child in his hands. That is a child. Yeah, that is a child. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's a dead child. Show some respect. <laughs> um, I think that see. Um, <laughs> now she had a spider in her hair. <laughs> See, see when he finds a dead child and it's kind of like a, a hallucination uh-huh. and then and it's like oh he's fine and then it pans back again and he's holding the dead child and it's like Wah! it's like i absolutely love the two but it's absolutely hilarious and it's one of those things where it's kind of like when he dives in the water and he kind of does this weird <laughs> it's diving at the water is the funniest thing in the world it's it's amazing but you know it's one of those things where you step back and look at it and it's like how many people had to look at that and be like yep that's a shot you want but yeah, I think there's a very abrupt gear shift into absolute madness at this point. Yeah, when he is rescued from that watery pit comes the first real memeable moment. Um, and it is just spectacular. Yeah. How <laughs> the good bummed moment. Followed by um, a door kicking montage, which I love. That, by the way, the door kicking montage is amazing. It's not just door kicking, it's also child terrorizing. Because <laughs> he goes around like just smacking masks off child children. <laughs> Rousting them up, take off your mask! Like just screaming at children and just and being like, and he's just kicking doors down. Like, yep. You are not, you don't, you're not allowed to kick doors down. No. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's like you're not just allowed to do that because you're a policeman from California. But um, uh, I think that um, yeah. So he's trying to, he's kind of trying to figure out some things. There's some rapid fire violence against women. Well, here. I think you need to break this down because it's really... Well, there's three separate incidents, yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. I love just about everything from the moment he sets off on his rampage to start kicking doors down mm-hmm. to the, the very end. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's, it, you're, you're hitting proper triumphant territory here. I mean, you can, you can kind of understand his frustration. Oh, ah, very much so, yeah, yeah. At first, it was irritating, but once he knows it's his daughter... You can understand why you might be yeah. more inclined to to fight immediate violence. I and, and I like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the moment where he threatens someone to get off the bike. Step away from the bike. Step away from the bike. Yeah, um, when he when he bicycle jacks Sister Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. Um, I I also think as well, like just everything about that again is ridiculous. Because he tries to get her off the bike, she won't. So step away from the bike. Sure. She gets off it but i think that it's it's one of those things where it should be this really dramatic departure but instead what he does is go take your stupid mask 
and then just like pedals off in the other direction. <laughs> I always think there's something inherently funny about the first maybe three or four seconds when anyone tries to cycle before they <laughs> they kind of steady up when they're all about like oh, right, okay, yeah. then we're off. I get, I kind of feel like he, he he spends most of his time on a bike, kind of doing that. It doesn't look like he's cycled in a while. It's a knee thing. Like, uh, I don't know. Sorry, if you can't see me at the back, I'm, I'm doing a thing with my, knee, my knees. Uh, I'll come in at the, the centre. It's like, they're out to the sides, and it just... Uh, yeah, it's, it's really important that everyone saw that. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's going he's gonna to rescue Rowan by uh, sneaking himself into a harvest festival. Well, he now knows that, or believes that the plan, having read the big book of rituals, yeah. he, he believes that she will be sacrificed yes. to, to save the coming crop. Mm-hmm. Or no, that, that's the original film. To save the new honey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. To bring back the goddamn honey, if you like. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there could be innumerable ways to blend in in a harvest festival, you know? Not sure why they chose that one. <laughs> By the way, this whole scene takes place in the woods. Quite a good disguise if you're in the woods. He, he could have just kind of like skulked from tree to tree <laughs> and probably get away with it. He just yeah. looks kind of like a happy bear. <laughs> like the live action yogi. Yeah, just just with just with more women punching, which is uh, how this unfolds. I think. See, see when he's when they're kind of. You've not read the script in my Yogi Bear film. <laughs> see when they're um, see when they're when they're kind of like walking in the procession for the festival, and he like stands beside his wife, and he like leans in in the bear costume, being like, "I told you away from me." I was like, "This looks fucking preposterous." But he's like trying to be like. No, because he undoes he undoes this face flap. Yeah, and you just really see his teeth against the starkness of the bear's teeth. <laughs> And it's just quite funny. Um, it's, it's like the little mouth inside the xenomorph. It's, jumping back though to the, the violence against women, yes. um, he does return to the uh, the guest house, if you yes. like, and is accosted by Sister Beach and he just lays her out. In it. Again, you shouldn't laugh, but it's quite funny. But not nearly as funny as when he karate kicks Lily Sibiski across the room. Um, <laughs> it's like, see, when Lily Sibiski attacks him, Sure. Uh, I have like why in the sound design watch it back why in the sound design does she sound like a parakeet because it's not a noise that comes from any human mouth <laughs> you've heard all human mouth noises <laughs> but no Kung Fu kicks her and uh, shatters a few photo frames in the process sure yeah yeah pretty yeah, horrible um, stuff yeah. but yeah the reason that he knocked out Sister Beach was that he was going to steal her bear suit well I mean she's... or maybe he knocked her out and just fortuitously there was a bear suit <laughs> She's quite. A, she's a larger woman. Yeah. So I mean, out of all the costumes, it's probably the one that fits him the best. But mm. what it doesn't do is serve to make a man who runs funny anyway run any less funny, <laughs> because he's kind of <laughs> burdened by the suit. Oh, yep. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because obviously um, at this point he kind of resolves that he's going to make a break for it. Yeah. Uh, sprints up the hill, knocks out one last woman for luck. Um, dressed as a bear. Dressed as a bear, crucially. To the untrained eye, she just got attacked by a bear. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) 
You're not going to fucking believe what happened at the Harvest Festival. <laughs> um, I think that the only thing that's funnier than Nicolas Cage running in a bear suit in this is when he takes the bear head off and he picks it up and runs away and he's just a bear from the neck down. <laughs> he just lo- lobs it over his shoulder and takes it off. I think that, see, one thing I noticed on rewatch with this um, is I think, I agree with you, right? I think that, I think that Nicolas Cage's actions become, or kind of like his general kind of tendency towards erratic behavior becomes more understandable as it goes on. Because the stakes <laughs> get, this personal stakes get higher. Come on, you'd be so fucking angry. Uh, like, you'd be yeah. so angry. Just fucking tell me! Tell me a straight answer! And that's what he gets like. That's what he winds up like. Yeah, I, 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 can, understand the, I can understand the recklessness and stuff like that. And to the point that what I noticed and what I didn't expect was when I watched this back and I, re- and I remembered how the ending was going to play out, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Wait, I got kind of mad. At what point did you remember the end to the Wicker Man? <laughs> like, fucking hell! Whoa, they, bu- they burned them! <laughs> like, fucking hell, I hope he's going to be all right. <laughs> How's old Nicolas Cage going to get out of this one? <laughs> so it's all fraught and at this point of course the reveal comes um yeah, he's been lampooned he's been lampooned he's been taken there under false pretenses and he is going to be uh the sacrifice to save the honey economy sure, sure. yeah he's going to prevent a honey recession by being uh sacrificed so obviously i mean we all know off another year of the honey walls yeah <laughs> exactly um so we all know what's coming and what's about to happen but see the leg break Oh, it's fucking horrible. It's horrible. That's truly horrible. Yeah. It's like, it, it, like it, it looks good, but it, like it's really wince-inducing. I think it's quite well done. <laughs> the first thing I think, that the less they show of it, the more effective it is. Because there is a moment where you see it kind of buckle and it very much looks like a, like a draft excluder that someone's just out with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look that great, but it still makes me go, oh, you fucker. Yeah, oh. there's oh. a lot of it in sound design, I think. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's very yeah, effective. But I mean, that's a... A truly horrible. That's going to guarantee you're not going to see any more of the, the running. Anyway, that's, that's very true. Sure. Yeah. Uh, His burgeoning career as a 100 meter sprinter brought to, brought to a tragic end. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's really effective. I think it's uh, it's really gross, it's really uncomfortable, kind of squirm inducing. Less so, the bee helmet. <laughs> no real bees in there, by the way, because uh, they're in, only now I noticed. I think it's t- tellies are better. But those are very fake bees. Those are very flat digital bees. Some might even be stickers. Um, <laughs> I'm not convinced that any of them are real bees. But for a man death, deathly scared of bees, screaming and opening your mouth is definitely what to do. Yeah. yeah. Just find your zen, find your calm place. <laughs> Just let them. In your calm place, aye. Just let them. Watch over you. So, yeah, I, I mean, this, 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 everyone knows this. It's iconic. For all the wrong reasons. Um, what? It's iconic for the wrong reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, it's time to burn him. What I really don't like, and it always kind of grosses me out as well, but I don't think he plays it up enough, is when they, they hoist him mm-hmm. up into the wicker man by his ankles, he would be in fucking, be fucking agony. Screaming, yeah. Oh, God, he's, he's, his legs would stretch. I mean, like, it's, it's a famously subtle performance. <laughs> Nuanced. Yeah, that's just that, that's all that is. Yeah. Um, what I think is funny, obviously, yes, he's he's in there somewhere. He's in the head. So, so uh, yeah. Um, uh, 
Rowan sets fire to the bottom of it. What I think is funny is that that's the, not bad, man. I, the entire time this is happening, Willow is kind of looking with this kind of like this kind of wistfulness and this kind of regret. But Rowan's having a fucking ball. <laughs> see, see, when she goes to set fire to the Wicker Man, she's she's having a whale of a time. She's getting photos taken and all that. Like so <laughs> the, the Doctor women's like that with that, one of those cameras with a smoke that comes out. <laughs> Um, like a souvenir photo, like Splash Mountain. It's like that, like the one that Doc and Marty get by that big clock. Um, but uh, on you yeah. go, darling, I want burn your da. <laughs> say, t- say, t- say bees. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I, um, I, I quite like how this plays out. It doesn't have the same kind of gleeful abandon, obviously, as the original. Um, no. But I kind of like that they're they're still all having a a good time. There's a party atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> but this, the, uh, this actually, this does look pretty ready. It's like you could imagine, like, um, uh, like celebrate by Casey and the Sunshine Band playing in the background. I like to think that they, after the the main barbecue, that they went and like had a good barbecue, the a main barbecue, good song and dance, and just really had a good day. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was just a lovely time. Cracked open a case of mead. And uh, got tore in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's about it, really. Well, I um, no, the version I've got doesn't include the famous the post credits or post credits moment. Yeah, oh, well, the, the the tagged on bit at the end. I I know mine didn't have that either, but yeah, you have um, it's uh, an uncredited James Franco and Aaron Eckhart, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. So presumably we've had another famously bad harvest. Oh yeah, they must have done yeah, because otherwise they wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be out there looking for other people. So, God, you think if it didn't work the first time, they maybe weren't a good, like like I mean, what's the definition of madness? <laughs> like just two of coming side by side, just keep <laughs> adding them like fucking ten pin bowling pins until they just you see it for miles. Burn the fucking island. <laughs> what we need is more sacrifices. <laughs> just keep ladling them in until there's just arms sticking it all over the fucking place. <laughs> But yeah, I obviously yeah, it's alluded to that kind of like the whole setup's going to start again uh, with James Franco. Yeah, did anyone see that ending? Yeah, you did. Yeah, no, no, it's um, there. To be honest, you've not missed much. Um, so this is theoretically where this chapter in the Wicker Man saga ends. But did like Nicolas Cage was expressed interest in doing more, which I think given oh, how Wicker Man, which I think given given how it plays out is interesting. Well, Nicolas but, Cage also, I mean. We know this film wasn't massively well received. I think it's got 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Wasn't screened for critics. No. Budget 40 million, box office 38.8. 38. Nearly there, nearly did it. Uh, but not quite. Everybody knows it's ridiculous. But Nicolas Cage, he has this, he hangs on to this belief that what they made was a kind of absurd, this black comedy. You know that way when somebody who's made a terrible film that people laugh at goes, <laughs> you got all the humor in there. Right? Uh, yeah, you yeah, you like, got it, right? Try, like, that's, retro- what I mean, that's what I meant to do. Yeah, try to like, retrofit it as a comedy. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, he, he did say that. He said something like, oh, it's like, oh, I think that there's this kind of acknowledgement that this film's kind of absurd. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you can't say that at the time because you have to let the film have its own life, but I think it's okay to say it now, which very much sounds like he's walking back the whole thing. <laughs> but, um, but not only was he interested in doing more, he has a pitch as well. He Do said you know it? Yes. Um, he's, he said. Mitch's pitches. He said in an interview that he wanted to uh, team up with the master that made the ring. Uh, he didn't say Hideo Nakata. He just said that he wanted to work with the guy that made the ring. 
Right. And uh, he said that he, and I believe this is Sauron. A, I believe it's a direct quote. He said, <laughs> very good. Um, he said that he wants to take the Wicker Man to Japan, only this time he's a ghost. <laughs> Notoriously difficult to burn. That's how he's going to outwit them this time. So the moisture in the ectoplasm keeps them vital. Uh, wow. I mean, what I would say is I would watch the living daylights out of that. I'll be honest, I would, uh... I, yeah. I'd take a look. <laughs> I'd, I'd, like... <laughs> I think, like, I, I, I think that, like, as a straight horror film, this is indefensible, I think, personally. Sure. Yeah. Okay. However, um, I think that you said it when you picked it. Kind of, like, I defy you to not be entertained by it. I think it's very entertaining. And like I say, there is an earnest attempt made to make a remake of The Wicker Man. Mm -hmm. A film that, with the exception of Jaws, which I take a hold above everything else, yeah. is my favourite film. I love The Wicker Man with all my heart. I have a massive fondness for this, despite myself. See, see I, 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 that's the thing about it that's the most surprising. I think that, like, I kind of feel like the more affection you have for the original, the angrier this would make you. I prefer this to The Wicker Tree, if anyone's seen that. Which is hot shit. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, Robin Hardy, he had plans to do a, he did a second one and set in the same kind of world. He, did, he was going to do a third one and he sadly passed away. He hated this. He got his name taken off. Mm -hmm. it. In fact, when I interviewed him a few years ago, I was told before it not to really talk about this, that he went into it on his own. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so it was, it was okay. Yeah, I just think there's, there's more value to it, I think, than... It might show on the surface, and if you can, <laughs> Panda, you're kind of undercutting my point. <laughs> Look at those fucking teeth, man. They've been screwed in that day. <laughs> but yeah, no, I th like it's 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 not meritless. I'm glad it exists, and I am quite happy that I've seen it again. Does anyone agree, Lauren? You look disgusted. <laughs> Exactly. It's not as bad as you thought. That's better than you could ever hope. Did anyone watch it and go, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Oh, that was better than I remembered it. All the hands for the benefit of the recording. Hands went up everywhere. This was a massive success for me. Also, I'm not good at judging the criticizer crowds, but I would say that there's 400 people here. <laughs> uh, by the Donald Trump metric. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There are lines outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not perfect. It is what it is, but I've just grown to really love it. Um, it's actually quite a well-made film. It looks nice. Angelo Badalamenti's soundtrack's lovely. I, I, yeah. I, I do think that the soundtrack kind of, or the score kind of maintains that background ridiculousness, though, because it's so busy. And a lot of the time, what you're watching, when he's just going from A to B, and it's just him on a bike or something, it... it does kind of give it a little bit more of a kind of non nonsensical feel, I think. But given that that's what I came for, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> I also love how filthy he gets over the course of the film to the point where he's like just covered in like grime and his shirt's untucked and he's just bumbling through doors. <laughs> ah! That's a silly um, film. It's, 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 that's certainly true. Does anyone have any questions that they would like to bring up and put to the room and we can talk about the Wicker Man? If you have a question, you get a dip in the famous Arrow video goodie bag. Right, where is that? I've got it. Cool. I've got it under control. I want to know where he got the fairy outfit from. Oh, well, that's, uh, we can answer that. 
At the moment, he knocks out Sister Beach. Sister Beach is wearing the lower half. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah Not the face, or else it would have looked like Nicolas Cage was awesome enough to beat up a bear in a bar. Um, and you should, you know, in a bar, never fight a bear. Um, As the old saying goes. A drunken bear in a bar. <laughs> Dip in. You're not getting a whole bag. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> ah, right, okay. Brett. Being as big of a fan as you are, sure. what would you have done different? Well, <laughs> the biggest thing I would have done differently if um, I had a different producer, uh, given that he produced this, um, is I wouldn't have had him in it for a start. One of the biggest failings of this film is the fact that he's in it. Um, I think if you had a more measured actor, uh, or a more controllable actor, I think as well, the fact that he's producer, I, I get, very much get the impression from him that he's a, I'm just going to do my own thing kind of guy, and be damned with sense and be damned with uh, the natural cadence of human conversation. <laughs> um, so that's the biggest thing I would change. That I mean, you can't really change the ending of The Wicker Man much. Um, kind of has to play out like that. Um, and I'm glad that it does. Um, I think if it played out any, like if he'd become a Wicker Man, he'd be like, <laughs> what's this pish? <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> the Wicker Man, colon. <laughs> yes. Not so much a question as just my, my imaginings oh, of what the... Uh, although I could put what do you think at the end of it to make it a question, I suppose. But um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I go on. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the pitch that he's come out with, like, we're going to Japan and him being a ghost. I've just got this image now of him going to Japan, haunting people, not being able to understand a word of Japanese and still having the same confused expression as a ghost that he has all the way through this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that one. Uh, oh, what do you think? <laughs> I kind of like the idea of him at some point uh, having kabuki makeup on. <laughs> Just like really pushing the cultural appropriation stuff. Like a, a, like a kimono. <laughs> that goes over really well these days. Those little, uh, those little wooden shoes, you know, the little, the like little, little clogs. Um, yeah, yeah. Lauren, I'm worried about this. Okay, so um, I'm no bee expert, but... What? <laughs> How the fuck does the honey crop fail? Like, did the bees just decide to take a gap year or something? <laughs> Amazing. I'll be honest, that sounded like an expert to me. Yeah. Uh, it's about oh, my professional opinion. I think the problem is lazy bees. Lazy bees. <laughs> Yawn. Just so, something I thought of. Um, do you think the inclusion of the bear suit in Midsummer is a direct result of this film? Oh, shit. I do now. 100%. I uh, also... I was trying to... Like, I was watching actually more so this one than the original and thinking, this reminds me of Midsummer at points. If only they bummed them in the bear. Oh, could you imagine? Spoilers for Midsummer. <laughs> oh. Uh, thanks very much, Andy. I 100% cannot unring that bell now. <laughs> Same universe, Mitch. Yep. <laughs> Anyone uh, else? Anyone else? Oh, jeez. Oh, right, okay. These are the last two, and then uh, we've got something else to do. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, when Nick Cage goes to see Sister Beach and he just lays her out, there's a bit just before it where she's kind of like rubbing his masculinity in his face and he just decks her. Um, given sort of Neil Labute's other stuff, do you think it's just a, is it a comment on toxic masculinity or is he just being a tedious sexist twat? Darren Gaskell, well, they're difficult questions. Yeah. <laughs> cut, into the heart of the, cut into the heart of the matter. Um, Mitch, I'm not touching that. I'm pretty sure it's the second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dip in the bag. I'm sorry, so. I don't have much more to say. It's just like, option B, please. Um, I think I spotted John, yeah. The bag's getting lighter and lighter, John. Pickens are slim. Eventually, we're just going to give you the bag. So this was the second attempt at doing a remake because there was one going to be done after Book of Shadows sort of fell on its arse. Uh-huh. Um, this kind of has killed anyone attempting to do another Wicker Man remake. But do you think it would work better if it had sort of a lower budget than 40 million? Something along the lines of like the Blumhouse 5 million or less ethos? Uh, I think probably. I like, I mean, I, I, I... <laughs> non-committal as ever, Mitchell, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think for as much as I think the film looks good, I think that you can't really see 40 million dollars worth of stuff up there. Him? Well, yeah, I guess him. Yeah. So yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, save the budget right down. Do you think so? Uh, to be honest, I think if you're going to do a film like The Wicker Man now, I feel that there's going to be this constant desire to push it and push it and push it. And I think I would love to see a real stripped back, simple version of it, but I get the impression if a third person steps up to try it, it's going to be even madder than that. That's potentially true. Um, you know that way where you're just like, oh, would you yearn for this? Yeah. The, like just just generally, did, if if we were to remake this or if it was to be remade, who would you have direct? Final do it. Okay. The Kashimiki. That's the one. There we go. Um, well, yeah, that was the Wicker Man, guys. Thank you for engaging. Yeah, um, very much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so. so we're almost done. Almost. But who would we be if we were to leave without me screaming? It's time for Mitch's pictures. Does anyone not know what that is? I'm going to sit down. Brett doesn't know. Brett, why not? We've done like 60 of them. <laughs> no, um, uh, basically, what. Brett what, hasn't listened to any until today. Yeah, no, uh, th that's fine. That's fine. Um, no, Andy sends a picture to uh, my phone, which you're, I'm presumably going to do. Um, it will also, it, it will also, for the purposes of the live one, appear here. Um, I will describe it to the best of my but it's a, it's a poster from a horror film, an old, yeah. an old horror film generally. We'll have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, all that kind of thing. I will describe it to the best of my ability and give the film an alternate title and synopsis based on just the image. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're asking me for you. That's right, isn't it? Right. Okay. Um, now the image will be coming up on the screen behind you. Okay. Um, I would urge you please um, not to look in case the actual film comes up. So. Uh, Okay, you ready? Yeah, go. Right. Uh, there's no border to the image. Well, I, uh, I think you might want to zoom out on that image, Mitch, because I can Oh, see yeah, there's a border. <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a incomplete red trim. Uh, purple background. Uh, what we have in the, the kind of the main focus of the image is, I'm, I'm going to say like an alien, but certainly some kind of otherworldly creature of some kind. It's got a like kind of brown, very wrinkled head. Um, with a kind of snipe nose, uh, two very like kind of like very deeply brown eyes, very large pupils, several rows of teeth. Looks like he's wearing a silk kind of robe. 
like a kimono. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, certainly something. Certainly something purple, and it looks quite plush. I would say. Um, it's funny to think he's got a dressing gown. On. What's that? I'm gonna run with the it. The image is hilarious. Imagine he's got a dressing gown yeah. on, given what's th- what else is on this image. Yeah, well, well yeah. Uh, in his right hand, he is holding a uh, a kind of gun, which is projecting an image of a man and a woman in a state of undress. A state of some undress. <laughs> um, yeah, who are uh, at it. Can you go into more detail about the man and the woman and what they're doing? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. Um, th- like... Um, uh, uh, they're they're kissing mouth to ma- ma- mouth to mouth as is traditional. Yeah, as is traditional. You know, it's like yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's one way to do it. <laughs> He's got a perm a little bit like Donald Sutherland's and don't look now. Right. Okay. And they're they're naked uh, certainly from the waist up. For all I know, they're they, the bottom half of them is bare suits. So I can't see. <laughs> um, so yeah, there you go. Um, uh, otherworldly creature in silk nightgown. Uh, <laughs> projects a hologram of uh, a couple in a loving embrace. Right, okay. Okay, um, I'll definitely need a minute. There we go. Look at your eyebrows. Yes, please. <laughs> Any more than that just seems. as a result of us doing this this entire endeavor mm. i think the fact that somebody paid three pounds for the sunshine kid when we put it up as pay as you want is my favorite thing that's happened <laughs> <laughs> okay i have an idea okay okay enthralls right it's 1958 and the inhabitants of the leafy suburb of little discretion keep themselves to themselves However, all of that is about to change when a troop of voyeuristic aliens land and cause chaos by using their lecherous lasers to broadcast renderings of the villagers' deepest, darkest sexual proclivities. Will the town annihilate the amorous aliens and suppress their sexy scandals, or will they simply embrace their kinks? It's 1976's Unidentified Prying Objects. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, um, What is it, and is it better than that? Uh, no, <laughs> quite frankly, it's not better than that. Um, I can like, I can tell you that I'll, we do have a year, we do have a title, and we have a synopsisizer. Lovely, okay. So the film is Night Beast. Night Beast. Yep, from 1982. <laughs> to, be, to, to be fair, that sounds like an adult What film. year did you say? I said 1976. Uh, 1982, sorry. Um, but yeah, Night Beast, and uh, the synopsisizer is uh, someone that's been on before. Oh, good, okay. It's uh, Humberto Amador. Excellent. Good. Uh, okay. Synopsis, synopsis regular. Baltimore filmmaker Don Dollar does an update on his 1979 film, The Alien Factor. This time, only a single alien. Brackets. Reptilian looking. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't say so. I'd say more. Uh, you know, in a Weird Science, when uh, Bill Paxton becomes the shit guy, 
but in a wee bit scrotal. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, 100%. This time, only a single alien, reptilian looking, crash landing near a small town and going on a rampage. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not a rampage. Not, not an amorous sex scandal revealing rampage, just a regular rampage. Just a regular, good old fashioned, sexy rampage. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. Guys, that's it. Thank you so much. You've been amazing. Guys, thank you. And don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance. See you later. Thank you. These are all lovely. This has been lovely.